0: This is Tracy McBeath, and this is the Primal Alternative Podcast. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming
1: wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach, Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. So, Trace, me old mate... I've got you on the show today to talk about your experiment with a continuous glucose monitor and can't wait to totally find out all about it, the good and the bad and everything else. But before we get into it, can you just tell us a little bit about you and who
0: you are and what you do? Okay. Well, thanks for having me on again, Helen. I always love hanging out with you. Mm-hmm. So yes, I am a health coach in Melbourne. I'm um, uh, a mum of five. I am very, very curious about uh, you know food and health and everything that goes into that. And Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I just, I have a podcast and a new platform where I share a lot of information just to help people make some choices and see that there's so many possibilities out there when it comes to our health. So I suppose that's me in a nutshell. That's you in a nutshell. And you and I um, got together for our
1: first collaboration, which was your low carb, low carb, long weekend, (laughs) low carb lifestyle, long weekend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the event with the long name, which was really That's cool to right. be part of. Yeah, really cool to be part of. And um, yeah, I think quite a lot of people that followed me started following you and vice versa. So hopefully for the listeners, this will be just like hanging out with a couple of mates for for an hour or so and you know, you've already been on the podcast sharing your story and your journey and what you do, so the listeners can always go back and check out that episode as well. But first, let's get straight into the glucose experiment. So, what inspired you to monitor your blood glucose?
0: Yeah. So I've been quite, it's it's been on my list to do for a little while. I've watched some, a lot of people that I really rate do it and have, they've experienced um, a lot of insight from doing it. And I just think, I mean, it's amazing technology. It's obviously very new, this type of technology. And I think um, it's, incredible and how we can put something on our skin that measures continuously for two weeks our blood glucose I just think has the power and potential to tell us so much about how our insulin is working and responding to the foods that we eat so I've always been curious but I was prompted to do it by actually an old client of mine who's a, a good friend now and she told me she was doing it and I was like oh all right, I'm going to do it too. She said, oh, you know, she just got it online. It was only $92 and, you know, which, you know, is a lot of money, but I think for the value of it, I, did, I thought it was going to be a lot more expensive than that. So I thought, right, we'll do it and we'll do it together. And then we can get together and compare notes because one of the big things I teach as a health coach is that we're all very, very different metabolically and uh, it's important to work out where you are on that metabolic scale and this type of a tool is something that can really help determine where you are and where you want to be and all that sort of stuff. And we all do respond quite differently to food but I think there's definitely some overall patterns that, that we can see around what we eat but then within that there's going to be variation depending on how insulin resistant or, or insulin sensitive that we are. So that's why I wanted to do it and I do what we did with her. We could talk to each other every day and, and you know, screenshotted our our graphs, which you get instantly on your phone. (laughs) It was like Christmas. I felt like a little kid, you know, I checked it every five minutes for the first couple of days and, you know, I was very, very excited by it. And by the end of the two weeks, I was pretty much ready for it to come off. But um, it was just amazing and it did confirm a lot of things for me. But it also, um, I guess... Question, but just made me a little bit more curious about some other things as well. So,
1: okay, so before we go any further, can you just recap for the listeners what is insulin resistance and what is insulin sensitive? What's the difference? And is one good and one bad?
0: yeah well ideally um, the more insulin sensitive we are, the better our, you know the better our insulin is working um, and insulin is um, a very important hormone it 's a metabolic hormone that is responsible for getting it has many roles, but one of its big jobs is for getting the blood sugar out of our blood um, primarily from when we eat carbohydrates or sugars um, and putting that blood sugar into our muscles or our fat cells or our liver. And basically what happens is over time, depending on many, many things, that being genetics, that being lifestyle, um, that being um, diet, lots of things, uh, we can become what's called carbohydrate intolerant, which means that insulin can't do its job properly it gets tired it basically becomes resistant so in the it what it has to do is start pumping out more and more insulin to get the blood sugar out of our blood so the great way i sort of explain it to my clients is we're kind of all born with a carbohydrate bucket if you like and as we, the more carbohydrates uh, we eat over time, if we, you know, we are sedentary, we have a, a high genetic component, then we will eat through that bucket quite quickly and we will become insulin resistant. And when we are insulin resistant, it means we are predisposed to conditions such as type 2 diabetes and all the metabolic issues that flow on from this. So a lot of doctors say it's the precursor to all modern diseases. So the reverse of that is insulin sensitivity. So when we're, our insulin is working well, it means we can remove the blood sugars quite well from our blood uh, and we have, you know, less inflammation in our body. We are not likely to get these types of diseases. So that's kind of the goal to keep our insulin working really well. But if we ask it to work constantly, And for a long period of time, and again, depending on all those other factors that I mentioned, it does give up. It's like if you go into a room, you know, if you walk into a room and there's a bad smell, I mean, it smells really bad at first, but you do become resistant to it. It doesn't smell so bad over time. Resistance just means it's not working properly. And the problem too is if insulin has to keep being pumped into the blood more and more and more for it to get rid of the blood sugar then a condition um, can develop, which is called hyperinsulinemia, which is, yeah, not a good condition to be in when insulin is being pumped out all the the time. And because it's such an important hormone, it has a very, it's got a big flow on effect. Um, And from there, you know, a lot of the other hormones don't work properly. So ghrelin and leptin, which are our hunger hormones and our fullness hormones, they're found not to be working properly in people who are insulin resistant which makes so much sense when you see how people um, feel, uh, you know, when they're experiencing insulin resistance. And it is a really gradual thing. It's not something that happens, you know, overnight. It happens very gradually. And a lot of doctors believe that, you know, conditions like type 2 diabetes could be picked up 10 years before they're actually diagnosed by looking and understanding how well our blood sugar and our insulin is working. So hopefully
1: that answered your question. No, it does. That's answered really well. So insulin resistance is when our cells stop responding to insulin and it's really common. So about 30% of the population have got this condition and it's something that
0: you have. I'd actually say it would be much higher than that. Oh, is it? Yeah. It would be, I mean, I've read um, reports of saying, you know, Really only, only 20% probably aren't. So you're looking at up to 80% of the population now being in, in, on some level insulin resistant. Well, that makes sense. If 85% of the population have got a chronic disease,
1: it mm-hmm. goes hand in hand, right? So, so you had um, insulin resistance before. So before when you were healthy and you were eating you know, the food pyramid And following the government Mm -hmm. guidelines around what it took to be healthy you experienced insulin resistance yourself so can you just tell us a little
0: bit from your personal experience what that what that's like yeah yeah absolutely and i did and you know this is one of the big misunderstandings people have i mean i got that from being healthy and eating the recommended dietary guidelines i didn't get that from eating junk food i've never been a huge junk food eater I mean, I have enjoyed too much chocolate and wine on occasion. That's but not true I wouldn't food. be your classic. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. Staples. <laughs> that's staples. That's right. Oh dear. But the majority of my diet, you know, was the healthy eating plate or the pyramid. And I was a personal trainer as well. So go figure there. So, yes, I did uh, develop uh, insulin resistance in that I had my blood tested and There's um, something you can get tested called your HbA1c, which is basically how insulin-resistant you are. It's um, a three-month average of how sugar-glycated your cells are. So they have numbers within that and ranges to tell if you're pre-diabetic, whether you are type two diabetic and I was pretty much I was I can't remember what the actual number was now but I was in that pre-diabetic range and I was 40 I was a mum of four then I was doing everything right I was but I was overweight and I couldn't lose the weight after I'd had my fourth child and you know all these little things going on I just had no energy I felt like I was you know pushing through a hangover every day just, you know, a lot of stuff I think that I lived with for so long, but I just kept telling myself it was normal. You know, I was my busy mom and I had four kids and, you know, it was normal to feel like that. But I've since obviously seen that the what I was eating was really impacting how I was feeling um, and it definitely wasn't normal. So once I understood what was going on with what I was eating, and it wasn't just sugar, it was carbohydrates. So it was the healthy whole grains and the bread um, and the pasta and the rice and all those things that, you know, to the body are just sugar, you know, they're metabolized in exactly the same way as table sugar. There is no difference. And I didn't, it took me a long time to understand that, but once I did and I took all that out of my diet, everything settled down and my metabolic health is in fine shape at 40, nearly 47. So yeah it's been a big change
1: and you've done that predominantly from swapping from a high carbohydrate diet to a low carbohydrate diet that's pretty much it you haven't done any thing else incredibly dramatic
0: nope right. um nope no <laughs> no <Nope. laughs> nope. so i just uh s- stopped buying low-fat rubbish mm-hmm. i uh, went back to beautiful butter um and you know, using ghee and all the beautiful animal fats, and coconut oil and olive oil, and I got rid of all the the uh, you know canola oils and vegetable oils, and I, and I just dropped the carbs. But um, you know, went to eat, I was eating more protein, more vegetables. Um, yeah, that's all I did, and you know, I think flow, there's a big flow-on effect from that, as we've talked about. You know. Once it took me a couple of years to find my groove with that, but once I did, you know, and I've one thing led to another, and I suppose my energy, you know, in terms of my training improved again, and you know, I was doing a lot more because I could and I had the energy to do it. Uh, but no, it all stemmed from changing what I ate, definitely.
1: Amazing, amazing. So, you, so let's talk about some of the like practicalities of this little gadget. So, it costs $92, which as mm-hmm. you say, it's an investment, but for the information that it gives you, very exciting, lots of fun. Especially if you're love, kind of geeking out on, you know, what's going on in your body, <laughs> which which I do. I'm always monitoring everything. Um, I love it. Um,
0: so, so you so you buy it online. What's it called? Mm-hmm. It's just a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor. And there's a few um, companies. I just googled. It. I think it's Libre. You know, it's a very common one. I can't, you know, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but a very common one in Australia. Um, you know, you don't have to buy the monitor that goes with it. There's, like, another monitor. You can just buy the gadget that goes on your arm and then you download the app on your phone and you sync it. To, it's amazing and it just read. you just read it straight on your phone. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's definitely, definitely worthwhile to do it if you can afford to do it just in terms of that. So the thing that freaked me yeah. out, so and I, saw, can I saw. You just get it online. <laughs> you just did it online. Amazing, right? So the thing that freaked the thing
1: that freaked me out was I saw it. You had it like on the back of your arm, a bit like a bit like a nicotine patch, right? <laughs> right, yes. but it wasn't wasn't a nicotine patch. And, no. and and so how does it like get into your blood? Does it? And that, I sort of imagined it being like a bit like a um, you know, like a, a tap, like one of those pins that you put in notice boards. that's like, in your arm. Is it like that? And how do you get it off? Like I was, I was like kind of going, oh, oh, at the thought of you getting
0: it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, so when you, when you actually get it, it's packaged in this applicator. So you can't see it. So you, you can't see the little, what is, you know, the little needle or anything. You just basically, it's all packaged, ready for you to go and follow the instructions, find a patch, you know, on the back of your arm where it's out of the way, basically, and you just put it on your arm and press it in. And it I've, I don't know if you've ever tested your blood glucose before. It's its not even that. You know, there's a little prick with that to draw blood. It's not even that. I honestly didn't feel it at all. And I could only see when I did get it off that it was the tiniest, almost like a mozzie bite little thing sticking up. It was so thin and flimsy. <laughs> But it stayed on perfectly. I showered, I trained, I dressed, I did everything. I slept, I did everything I normally would. After a day, I didn't even know it was there apart from I just kept wanting to check it. Um, and, you know, I have to say, I said to my girlfriend when we were close to the end, I texted her, I said, do you actually know how to get this off? It goes, <laughs> and I'm going to Google it. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we just Googled it and, yeah, all you did is peel it straight off, and then I just got a, a wipe baby wipe and wiped my arm, and that's it, done, gone. Wow,
1: okay, so not as gruesome as I anticipated because no. I know those I haven't done blood sugar, but I've done ketone testing, and I know I have to yeah. kind of like count Same to thing. three to get that thing to like shoot you in the <laughs> finger <laughs> one, two, no, one, two, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm oh, a you're bit. funny I don't,
0: i'm not a friend of needles or anything but you know for, as i understand a lot of people would be but yeah you know yeah it was so harmless i promise you it was you know it's funny how you, your mind plays a lot of tricks on you building up to it and yeah. in the end i just said to oh, my girlfriend fine. i'm just doing it right just i'm doing, doing it, it. Anyway. look here's the photo it's done. <laughs> done on perfect okay
1: so you were pre low carb lifestyle pre age 40, you were insulin resistance, you healed your metabolism and your metabolic health with a low carb lifestyle. And then, um, you know, lost weight, felt better, had heaps of energy, all the amazing benefits that come when that happens. So what did you want to prove with the CGM or what did you want to experiment with?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess I just wanted to see how my blood sugars were um, the way I was eating. So what I did was I did a week because you have it for two weeks and then if you need to, you have to buy another one if you want to keep going. So they only last for two weeks. So the first week I just ate as I would normally eat. So low carb ketogenic, you know, one to two meals a day for, with my fasting and just and with my training um, and just seeing how it was all going. So, you know, it, what was interesting from that week was that I sat quite low and in that red low blood sugar. And I've since learned uh, that that's very common. If you are fat adapted and you're burning fat for fuel, often the you'll sit lower in the blood sugar range. And, you know, of course, there's I was Never had any symptoms of low blood sugar anyway, but to someone who was looking at that with without the knowledge of what I know now, um, they would probably be concerned that maybe my blood sugar was a little bit low um, but it wasn't it was all fine, and I felt great um and you know, I would eat my standard meals, which are always mainly protein animal protein with some eggs and some butter or fat, and um you know some veggies and yeah hardly a blip didn't even hardly register sometimes it didn't even go up at all so i was quite surprised at that i did get increases when i trained because i trained fasted i have done that for years it's not something i would recommend to someone if they hadn't built up to it but i've done that for years and it's amazing to see your body make the energy or the glucose it needs when it needs to make it. There's nothing I had to do about it, just watching it go up. It did, never went up a, long, a lot, but I could definitely see it go up a little bit and then, of course, it settled back down. Um, so that first week was pretty nice, <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then I wanted to play. So that was the, the, you know, when I first got it, I had no real plans. I just wanted to play. But it was actually um, Dr. Jackie Montefiore, who's my colleague, we have a program we run together, like a low-carb lifestyle program. And she said to me, you know what you should do? You should do a week eating the standard healthy diet because she's a dietician as well. She said, I can write you a plan and you could do that. And wouldn't that be cool to see what happened? And I was like, oh, yeah, all right. So I thought, I'll do that. I can do that for a week, no problem. So I planned it. She wrote me this eating plan. I uh, prepared myself for it, but leading up to it, I started to get quite anxious about it and uh, going shopping for the food. I was getting quite angry about having to buy all this food again and, you know, I was thinking, geez, I don't know if I really want to put all this stuff in my body, you know, low fat and cereals and breads and I thought, and what was interesting was that on that is I actually had a stress response. So I was shopping. I hadn't eaten anything. I was still fasting. It was in the morning. And my anxiety around it was show, showed up on my CGM. So there was a definite rise there. Um, so just on that,
1: Trace, just on that. So because I know I, I thought the same when I saw your – because you were posting it all and I was following avidly along – you're posting it all on social media, and I was following, and I saw you had low blood sugar level, and I know that you know we've always, oh no, that's that's really bad. I've got low blood sugar. We've all been there, where you've bent over and stood up too quickly, and like you're seeing stars, and and you know that's kind of like um, that's a, a sort of a symptom of eating high carb, isn't it? This this sort of sugar roller coaster where you know it's really bad if you if your blood sugar goes down, so. When I understand, so when you trained fasted, I understand why your body released glucose into the bloodstream then. Mm-hmm. Is it the same with a stress response? Is it the same thing? I and believe- what, What's that yeah. telling us?
0: Yeah, so with a stress response, so it, that releases cortisol, um, which is our, like our stress hormone. Um, and, you know, the whole purpose of the stress response is for us to be able to run or fight, you know, fight from the bear. Um, so the whole, it's a, it's a cascade effect again. So cortisol gets released. Obviously, we have adrenaline and norepinephrine, and all this sort of stuff gets released into our body so we can pound and become superhuman and run away. And uh, the effect of that is the blood glucose that gets put into our blood Uh, to fuel our muscles basically really quickly because you can't deny that glucose is a quicker fuel than fat fat is your sort of long slow beautiful premium lasting energy it's like the log on the fire but glucose is the quick quick burn so if you need something really really quick that's what your body will do so what happens then, of course, is insulin then has to come and mop it up. So if it's not, if we actually haven't run anywhere, which for most of us we haven't, um, it's just in our mind, but it's the same physiological response that goes on in our body, then it sends obviously insulin to get rid of the excess blood sugar from the blood and get it back into our muscles or our fat stores or our liver. So, yeah, very, very much the same thing. There's a few other obviously added processes like with, you know, all the, you know, I don't know, you know, beyond that in terms of the chemical sort of processes, it's very, very involved, but at a higher level, it's very much the same response.
1: Right. Okay. So and you know, your body was giving you the right message that your body was going run Tracy run from the cereal aisle in the yeah. supermarket where everything's <laughs> just made of sugar, wheat and dairy. Run as fast as you can back to the grass-fed meat and the veggies and the and the butter. Yep. Go <laughs> on the side of the supermarket Tracy. Yeah. You're not in the middle. You're not meant to be in here. Run, run. <laughs> <laughs> Which is oh, so that's so funny and so true. Yes. So what happens Yes, yeah, so 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 you planned seven days, and I saw what you ate. Like you Mm. didn't go to McDonald's, you didn't get you know crap. Mm -hmm. You ate healthy. You even ate cereal that was Mm -hmm. reduced sugar cereal, and you had bread Mm. and fruit, and it all looked quite pretty, you know, Mm. on Instagram.
0: So, so (laughs) how long did you last? Well, I lasted one (laughs) day in the end. Tell us why. Oh my goodness so in the in my mind i said okay no, i 'm not going to do a week i 'll do two days so i'd bought everything I needed for two days, but I felt the worst I have felt in you know i, I can 't remember feeling this bad. it was really terrible. My head was exploding, my body was pounding. Um, I had a sore stomach. I really couldn't get off the couch. It was just a horrible day, and my blood sugar was on what we call, what we hear so often this amazing blood sugar roller coaster. I mean, it, it was phenomenal to see it. I mean, you can you can you can say because I'd been eating low carb for so long that possibly what happened was my body just couldn't handle it having cause I haven't, you know, fed it that much glucose at once in a very, very long time. And, you know, there was maybe the spikes were bigger, than they had would have been if I had been eating a, a normal, I don't know, you know, you, your body does have some sort of adaptive function on it. However, what I wanted to see was the patterns. I didn't really care about the actual numbers. I was wanting to see the patterns because of course what goes up must come down and that's exactly what happened. I went up really quickly and what I did was come down very quickly too. Now what we can see with those spikes is that if someone is insulin resistant, if someone is struggling with their blood sugar, sorry, their insulin is struggling, what happens is it takes a lot longer for the blood sugar to come back down. So for me, because I know I'm metabolically healthy, I went up and I came basically down within an hour. Now that just felt disgusting. I felt so, so bad. And then I watched it dip you know, back down and then you could see, you know, I was in ranges that I sat at all the week before, but I actually felt, you know, the the low. And, you know, I could just see how then I was looking. All I could do was think about food. I was thinking about the next one because that's really what it was. It was every two hours I had to eat anyway because we're told to eat six meals a day. Um, and, I, I, you know, I was ready for the next meal. And by the end of the day, I was actually starving mm. um, and I just felt, you know, I, by about four o'clock, the, the fog did lift temporarily. And I think that that gain, that's just a function of my metabolic health. But um, I was starving. And I was like, I couldn't even, you know, I was, ha- was going to have a big rice dinner and I cooked butter chicken for the kids and I took most of the sauce off to keep it as low as in within the fat ranges that I was supposed to keep it in. But, um, you know, <laughs> with the little ba- amount of meat that were, you know, recommended to eat, yeah. I was just, you know, I was famine. And that so- was it. That was, I couldn't. Do it to myself any longer, so
1: yeah, well, you proved your point, you know. And and like, um, a lot of the people who are following you, and I know, um, Primalista Terry Tegs, shout out to Tegs, she was like, Stop doing it because you know, <laughs> know. She's, a, she's a professor uh, and specializes in diabetes, and she was like, Stop doing mm. this to yourself, it's you know, it, it mm. is it's abuse, it's abuse to, to your body, but yet, mm. most of us uh, think that we're doing the right thing, right? And if people mm. want to look at the um chart they can go to your tracy mcbeth health coach page on instagram on the 16th of july and you can see it and you outline you know your breakfast snack lunch snack and dinner and you can see it's mm-hmm. literally e-oo, 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 up and down like a frippin roller coaster mm-hmm. and dip it into low blood sugar like it's just not It's yeah. it's like the sugar roller coaster that we get told about um, yep. you know,
0: from, from and that's the, following the healthy, the eating way. That is what a standard dietitian will recommend as a healthy diet for people to be on. So let's, um Let's
1: unpack what you actually ate because I really want this podcast to be played to people who are on the fence. So, about low carb eating or, you know, mm-hmm. ancestral, indigenous, paleo, primal, whatever you want to call it, just basically mm-hmm. a low carb approach. Because I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast, they're already, they're already sold on it. I don't need to preach to the converted, but I know a lot of us have got a loved one who just doesn't quite, doesn't quite get it. Like, why would I want to do this? This is healthy. I've eaten bread all my life. I've had cornflakes every day of my life for breakfast. Why would I change now? So tell us what you actually ate that created that cascade of insulin in your body. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, as I said, I followed this, the dietitian's plan. So I stuck to very actually quite moderate portions. You know, I would have eaten a lot more myself when I was eating this way. So that's another something else to consider. I didn't eat a huge amount, um, but I started with a healthy, you know, breakfast cereal. As you said, it was labeled low sugar, a healthy start to the day. It had four stars on the health star rating. I started with that with half a cup of low-fat milk and um i think i had a kiwi fruit that was breakfast and that was the start it set me off and i was yeah like that marathon you know climbing up the mountain up it went that was the biggest peak
1: the breakfast
0: no the uh actually no lunch was very close to, to breakfast, um, it basically kept the, the lowest one was dinner because, as I said, I probably yeah, had a little chicken. bit too much fat. <laughs> you <feel> like I'm over <laughs> yeah. this, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and that's the interesting thing because fat does definitely dampen the blood sugar response, but then you get the issue of the high energy, where you no know, eating carbs and fat together over a longer period of time is not optimal either. But that's another conversation. But um, yeah, so you, you, I can't look, it went to about seven. And I think my average prior to the week, like in the week before, it was sort of sat comfortably around 3.8 and never went. I I did one test in that first week. I think I had one low-carb Atkins bars because my kid, my boy loves them and, you know, they're just like chocolate. And I I had one and it spiked to like 5.6. But that was the highest it had that whole week. Um, So, yeah, and that was breakfast. Then I had two pieces of was it two, two pieces of fruit toast, which believe it or not, that is recommended as a healthy snack with, I had to buy margarine, which was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even enjoy it because there was no butter, but um, two pieces of that, that was more morning tea, then lunch was two pieces of wholemeal bread uh, with a tin of salmon, small tin of salmon and a salad. And it went up as high as the breakfast cereal. So yeah, that another really interesting p- part of it. And then afternoon tea was an apple, and it did go up as spikes high.
1: just from an like, apple. Yeah,
0: no way.
1: Just thinking did, Tim Tams, yeah,
0: not as high. But- Tim Tams or yogurt <laughs> or something like that. No, just an apple. Just an apple, but it was a very small apple. So the direction was a small apple, yeah. And then I was starving. And then the dinner was, as I said, I added rice with dinner, which I don't normally eat. And it went up to, if I remember rightly, it was about the same as what the apple was. Um, And then I had, um, and I didn't, I'd stopped sort of charting. This sort of went off the charts, but I was, because I'd already decided that was it. I wasn't going to do any more, but I had to complete the day in my Mm. mind, and that was a low-fat yogurt for after dinner <laughs> mm. so i was like mm, i've got that to look forward to and um yeah it and it's you know, again it went
1: up it, <laughs> it so depressing does i was just thinking yeah, it, it was imagining so it on a yeah. plate and just thinking Ugh. Uh, just where was whereas like, like, no now joy. like now you know like for lunch today i've had crispy skin salmon cooked in ghee oh. with because oh, i had nothing hell. in so i had some of that in the freezer and then i had some uh greens from the garden because you know i had no veggies left so i just p- picked some silver beet and some kale and sorted them in ghee with a little bit of um tamari like a really nice clean gluten-free mm, gluten-free, gluten-free uh, one salt lemon juice or oh, a bit of ducka sensational! freaking sessional it's like a restaurant yep. lunch and that's very similar <laughs> to, that's very similar to your like salmon tin of salmon and um mm. You know a bowl of salad and some bread, but there would have been no spike from Mm-mm. my lunch and it was no way delicious because of the fat and and you know the skin you wouldn't be allowed to have the skin of the salmon you know yeah. if you were oh. eating a dietitian meal, and that's just it just mm-hmm. that day is really depressing and it's and you can imagine being like that so if you're like trying to lose weight and you were following that kind of a protocol and you're feeling more and more starving, more and more depressed because there's nothing delicious in that day at all. You don't, it's no wonder that by, you know, like Wednesday afternoon, you're like, oh, sod this, I'm buying a Magnum or like eating a bar of chocolate, <laughs> you know, it's like. Well, that's right. It's no wonder it's because your your body's screaming out. You know, you've got no mm. you, you've got low blood sugar and your body's screaming out, give me some glucose, make it quick, make it snappy, don't give me anything slow cooked and delicious and fatty. I need some energy now. You know, it's just survival. Yeah. So you know, yeah, for it who, isn't. who've fallen off the wagon with diet diets and, and healthy plans in the past, it's it's not our fault. It's because the food that we've been given is is causing those cravings, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. It's just, there's so many reasons why, but I mean, it's predominantly, it's not enough um, food overall. It's not enough calories. It's not enough nutrients. You know, it really isn't. And the other problem that, you know, if you've got people listening that are sitting on the fence, this was a big thing for me to understand the, the problem with insulin going up and down with our blood sugar is insulin is actually our fat storage hormone. A lot of people don't realise that when insulin is high because it's got a job to do to get rid of blood sugar, all our other, um, it turns off everything else. So we cannot access our fat stores. So if you are eating that way all the time, six meals a day, you are in constant, you know, storage mode basically. You cannot tap into fat stores when insulin is high. It it just does not work that way in our body at all. So if you think about it, then the only time you'll have a chance to have lower insulin is overnight when you're sleeping. And that's when all of us will, whether we know it or not, we actually start using, you know, making ketones to fuel our brain overnight because we can't store enough glucose in our body to last that long to get us overnight. But then we get up in the morning and, you know, if we were then to start the day eating a high protein, high fat meal, we would go in a very different path instead of, and that's what I say with all my clients, you know, start with that first meal with breakfast and watch what happens. See how you feel and see how long you take before you actually get hungry again And without fail, it will be well into afternoon before they're hungry again because of what's going on. And they've not gone off on this blood sugar roller coaster. That is very difficult to bring back in when that first meal of the day has been high in carbohydrates and low in fat. So very interesting to understand that about insulin. Fat storage hormone, that's it, blocks it all off. And if your goal is to lose body fat, eating that way is not going to help so
1: what about because I know there's quite a lot of people who uh sort of transition into this way of life or maybe they've been doing it for a few years and they have their breakfast I know you, you started off the interview Trace by saying you know we're all different metabolically so mm-hmm. but what about these people who eat you know a nice um fatty proteiny breakfast low carb but then they're hungry by 10 o'clock so say they eat that breakfast at like 7 or something and then they're hungry again by 10 o'clock what's going on for those people yeah
0: well, I mean it could be a number of things, but I would say they haven't eaten enough. A lot of people, you know, we are so used to restricting portions that we think, you know, a piece of protein is a palm size. Well, that's way not enough. So, I would say I would say to my to my clients, if you get if you eat and you're hungry again within 4 hours, you haven't eaten enough in your meal. So, you need to add more protein and more fat. And then see what happens. You definitely have to play around with it, but that would be the number one thing I would see. just not enough, and we're so scared of overeating, and you know that we're so used to controlling our portion sizes. But that, to me, is the benefit—biggest benefit, so many benefits of eating this way. But we don't have to worry about that anymore because our body's got that under control. But of course, there is an adaption phase, and you know, we need, our bodies need to heal, and we need, also need to start tapping into those signals and let go of the habitual hunger. So if we're very used to eating at that time. We may not be hungry or not, but the signal will come. Now we have to sort of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes into, well, are you truly hungry or is it just habit? So that's something that, you know, I work with my clients very closely on trying to answer those questions. And, yeah, so that'd be the two big things.
1: And I like that one that, you know, just the the sort of the habit, the habitual eating, um, ghost hunger, I've heard that called. You know, like so when you've been used to having breakfast snack lunch snack dinner snack you kind of i don't know whether it's psychological or your body just comes to expect it but it is like that ghost hunger um Mm. and and we always sort of seem to have finished off dinner with something sweet whether it was a muesli bar you know in the olden days or a piece of fruit or a low-fat yogurt so i found those first few years and now I want something sweet after I'd eaten my fatty protein, <laughs> and that took a long time mm. to break. But for me, what I yes. find, because um, I'm not a big eater, I've got really small hands. I think I must have a really small stomach. I can't eat a massive <laughs> portion of food. Like I couldn't eat anything more than one egg, right? You know, like uh, one piece oh, of really, bacon. yeah, like half an avocado. I'm I'm full, right? Mm. And and that mm. can sometimes. And my parents are the same. They have tiny portions, right? And I think it's just the way that I am. And that can keep me going for like five, six hours some days. And then other days I'm hungry, you know, like I'm ready for a morning tea kind of thing. And when I look back, it's usually because I'm tired. My sleep the night before wasn't optimal or maybe I've exercised really intensely the day before. And all those sorts of things can affect your overall readiness and therefore your blood sugar. Um, And also another thing I notice as well is I can quite go – pretty good with a couple of glasses of wine doesn't affect my sleep I know because I track it (laughs) Uh, with aura with an aura ring so I know my quality of sleep how much deep sleep REM light sleep and what my readiness is each day based on my heart rate variability my resting heart rate temperature activity everything and I know so I know a couple of glasses of wine is fine but if I nudge it which we do sometimes right that can really affect how hungry I am the next day because obviously <clears throat> alcohol really affects your, your blood sugar as does if you have a shit night's sleep, you're basically waking up like a type 2 diabetic in the morning. So, all, you, know, yeah. you know, you've got your young babies and um, you're up in the night and you're feeding and you're just starving all the time.
0: It's
1: just, it's just half of the course. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. And everything you said is completely true and that all comes into it as well. I think, you know, there's um, there's the food that obviously is going to have a different effect on your body as the number one, but then you've absolutely got all those other things. And I find with myself absolutely the day after I'm tra- I've trained, I'll eat, I'll eat two bigger meals as opposed to maybe one or I might even have three sometimes. And that's the beauty of being able to listen to your body. You'll give it what it needs when it needs it. And it, you know, there's so much, I mean, what about cycles? I mean, that comes into it as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much at play. And I think we do have all those gifts and um, an amazing ability to tap into actually giving it what it needs. And that doesn't mean we're going to get it right every day. We're not, but, You know, we're doing the best we can, but there's always room to see um, other things and different ways to to attack things. And I think we know ourselves if we're eating habitually deep down. We really do. If if we're truly honest with ourselves, is this a habitual thing? And for me, it was the wine and the chocolate after dinner or at five o'clock for the wine started every night for years, but I didn't want to know that. And I didn't want to have that conversation. I didn't want to say to myself, I just it was just too hard. Um, and eventually I did. And, you know, I don't do I don't do that anymore and I don't get urges to do that anymore. But, you know, yeah, it's you yeah, gotta, you gotta have those tough, tough conversations with yourself sometimes too.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's also about working out what makes it doable long-term for you. So I know that everybody's different. So there's no like right or wrong here because Uh -uh. everybody is different. Uh -uh. But I know for a lot of people, you know, like when I first um, went low carb, I did like the whole 30, but it was a whole 60. And it was this, you know, so 60 days, no alcohol. It was a bit of a liver cleanse as well. And I needed that due to the state that I was in. Um, but you know, but I knew that alcohol, having a glass of wine is something that's really pleasurable for me. I didn't want to kick it out altogether. So it's like, it's okay. And the same with chocolate, the same with coffee. It's about finding, I know we've talked about this in, in a previous podcast and that's something I talked to mm. all my guests mm. about, but finding out what works best for you. And I know Trace, yourself, you only have a glass of wine every now and again, and that's what mm. works for you. But for me, bringing in alcohol free days, because for me... The option of shala Shantai is too confusing. Like I just like, no, it's Monday. I don't drink wine on a Monday. Don't drink wine no. on a Wednesday. <laughs> don't drink wine on a Thursday. So we just have Tuesday night, which is tonight. Woo-hoo! We grab a, <laughs> I, grab, I grab a champagne, husband drinks beer. We jump in the spa. We have a really nice chat, just me and him under the stars. It's wonderful. It's all about connection, mm. ritual. Mm. It's really special. It's not just mindlessly Beautiful. You know, don't get me wrong, I've been there too, same as you, 5 o'clock every night, oh, my God, can't wait till it's wine mm. can't get me through. I used to I'd just have a cask of wine in the pantry. Mm. And one of the reasons I had it was so I didn't really need to track how much I was drinking because mm. it was like it was a real crutch and that's okay and yeah. those days have gone. Um, yeah, and, and then, you know, then I went to the alcohol-free days, but on the days I was drinking, I was probably drinking a little bit too much. And then so now it's yeah. like, right, two glasses, that's it. And two glasses is... It's it's hardly anything, you know, like it's it's I'm not talking about a whole bottle in a glass. <laughs> I'm talking about like yeah. proper, you know, hundred mils and so I don't feel like I'm missing out, but I don't get any of the negative effects of excess alcohol. And I, and for me it's just about finding that primal alternative way to do what you enjoy doing, you know? So yeah, So hopefully absolutely. hopefully heaps of in interesting, um, you know, different Ways to go at it for our listeners today. But one thing that you talked about, Trace, that really made me go, What was this Atkins bar that you had? That <laughs> your kids just munch on like muesli bars, like the modern muesli bar. So, and, and when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to send Tracy some primal alternative products because. <laughs> I want to test them. And then I remember like, and, and then text you saying, um, if you get a blood sugar spike, don't put it on Instagram. <laughs> Tell me first, right? And you were like, I um, I don't think I'm going to get a spike. <laughs> so, so we got some triple chop keto cookies sent to you, some uh, waffles. What else did we send you? Um,
0: and it was the bagels, the low-carb uh, bagels as well. Yeah, so what did yeah. You, what did you run through the CGM? <laughs> Yeah, all of it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so it was all, look, it was all fine. It really was because, you know, Yay. that's the difference with what your, what your stuff is and something like an Atkins bar. And I've talked about this with uh, Dr. Jackie uh, Montefiore before. There is so much in those bars and, and low-carb processed foods that we don't understand and um, there was something in there, and I you know, I don't eat them very often because they actually they upset my stomach, but I do love them. And that's why I thought, oh, I might try this. Um, but just to see what it was doing when it was actually very, you know, marketed as very, very low in carbs, but I just think they're very, very clever with their marketing and there's things in there that we don't really know how they can affect our blood sugar. Um, but, you know, the difference with your stuff is it's all just real ingredients. There was plenty of fat in it. Um, and, you know, look, I had the two keto cookies. See, interesting, as I said, if you if you have something like um, carbs on an empty stomach or you have carbs without fat, uh, it will be really high on your blood. There'll be a big response. Um, but if I had those keto cookies after dinner with my cup of tea and I didn't get anything, I think it, it was just a tiny, like nothing. You couldn't even tell that it was that. But if I'd have had those, on an empty stomach, which I didn't do, possibly I would have had a higher blood sugar response because of my empty stomach, but, I mean, I don't know. But that's the other thing that's good. If you, if you understand things like that and you do want to have little treats like that every now and again, which if it works for you, it works for you. No one has to say anything other than that. Um, then, you know, having them after you've had something to eat, you know, would, would probably be beneficial. So yeah, so I found that it was all absolutely fine. I love it, you know, and I love you know, obviously the kids ate most of the waffles. <laughs> Can't get a, a look in when I'm cooking those. But um yeah, it was all beautiful.
1: Awesome. So I'm just looking at the um because I've never had an Atkins bar, but I'm looking at it on iHerb and it looks like a Mars bar. Oh. It looks like a Mars bar. Oh,
0: the one I buy is a, um, you can buy the ones that are like that, but the one I buy for my boy who loves, they're just plain, it's like a plain chocolate bar. So it's oh, a okay. solid block of chocolate. Yeah. Because I was just looking at the ingredients
1: in this one and it's,
0: it's crazy stuff. Malatol. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah.
1: like yeah. I know,
0: disgusting.
1: Malatol mm. syrup. Yeah. Just compared to, you know, almond meal, coconut cacao butter, cacao nibs. That's nims. right. And I think the thing and that I think I love I've ab- seen, oh, sorry. The, thing, the thing I think of that, well, the thing I know that I love about our low carb products is they're high in protein and high in fat. So it's that beautiful trifecta, you know, mm-hmm. so really whatever time of the day you eat it, um, you know, it should be, you should you'll be fine. It should be absolutely yeah.
0: fine. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, and But the interesting thing with that that I think people can, can consider is a lot of people do come to low carb thinking that the low carb processed foods are important and part of the diet. And I just, you know, there's lots of evidence to show that, you know, it can, it's definitely a stumbling block. You know, if you look at that, you know, don't just read the label, have a look at the back. And, you know, I know a lot of people just go on the carbs. They don't care about the ingredients, but things like, you know, vegetable oils and soy lectins and all this, you know, and the maltitol and stuff like that, obviously do have an impact on your health so if you're coming from a perspective of overall health which you know i think is a great perspective to come from then you want to have you know consider all the other ingredients that are in stuff like that
1: yeah definitely but having it's s- got to be a clean low carb you know way of, way of life as opposed to just processed because i mean that's the ultimate you know to get rid of all of the ultra processed food is like step one and then you know, bring the, bring in the carbs down. So, yeah, keep it as clean as possible and read the labels and get yeah. to know what the heck is that. And if you don't know what it is, then go and mm. Google it and decide if you think you should be mm. eating it or not.
0: Mm. yeah Can I share one other experiment I did, which um, yes. is it all right? Yeah. Just share. Cause what I did after I had that horrible day is I had a reset the next day. So I went back to my, my usual diet. And then what I thought I would do is I would try and experiment with just a couple of individual meals. Oh, that's And fine. one of the big, yeah. Yeah. So one of the big bugbears I have is oats is considered, healthy and there's a health halo on oats and I've had clients that have gone to their low carb GP and gotten off all that stuff and then they've gone to their cardiologist or specialist and they've said what are you doing you should be having oats for breakfast now I have a you know I suspected what was going to happen so what I decided to do is have my usual what I had for breakfast up until I was 40 pretty much every day so that was oats um, and I put I only had a small, I only had half a cup. I didn't have what I used to have, which was massive bowl. Yeah. And I had quarter of a banana and a quarter of a cup of low fat milk. And I just drizzled a little bit of honey on the top. And what I did forget is before I was 40, I used to also put sultanas and Mm -hmm. low fat yogurt on it and then have a glass of orange juice as well. So I forgot I'd done that. So I didn't do that this time. But that breakfast was the highest blood sugar out of everything I did. That spiked me to ten point one. Whoa. And I was I was yes, I was in shock watching it. It just went up and up again. And again I felt my head was exploding. I felt terrible and it stayed up there and down it came, low, 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 and if I I was watching it, it did dip low again, and um, it's like oh, so I had to have something normal, like to eat to feel yeah. better again. But just, you know, because the other thing people don't understand is that it's not even fortified. I mean, most of the breakfast cereals can get away with being called healthy because they're cardboard fortified with vitamins. But uh, oats, no fortification. So not only does it do that to blow sugar, but there is zero vitamins in it. Yeah, that's
1: just, it's just empty glucose in a bowl really, isn't empty. it? I mean, there's, there's no... Yep. And, and, but it's been marketed really well. So everybody, everybody oh. you're so right. People are quite happy to ditch, you know, grain um, cereals. But when it comes to oats, they, no, no, this one's a gluten-free one. It's fine. I'm going to eat this. You know, you know, oats don't have gluten in them, but they're usually processed in a plant that does have gluten in it. So you can get, you know, mm-hmm. free from ones. And um, mm. it's quite interesting because I, expe- I experimented because I used to love porridge like i've grown up on it like from from being a kid and you know these sorts of cereals are the first foods we give to our kids as well right we think oh it's really healthy it's so good for them um, and and i've experimented because i read an article actually by of all people the paleo mom who was saying that you know rice and um oats are beneficial to the gut bacteria to, sorry to the gut microbiome and I was like, okay. I understand cooked and cooled rice and resistant starch. I get that. And I have a bit of cooked and cooled rice, although I did see yesterday that um, a small serving of basmati rice is the equivalent of 10 teaspoons of sugar. So I might rethink mm. that. Um, <laughs> and so I thought, right, you know what? I was doing low FODMAP. Things are a bit restricted anyway. Oh, it's a low FODMAP. Let's go for it. And I had this bowl of porridge. It was revolting it felt like it it was kind of tasty but kind of mushy and it just filled my tummy which is why we know like we've got to remember people this is why grains were brought into the diet you know in the industrial era when we had suddenly large groups of people we needed to fill bellies we couldn't fill everybody with meat and veg because it was too expensive it wasn't enough to go around so this kind of food peasant food it fills up bellies and it's cheap that's why we that's why we've got it And it literally sat in my belly like a lead weight. And I had the brain fog, felt like my head was pounding. And just kind of, even though I don't know why, but it still kind of gave me this refluxy feeling of just the, it was Mm. revolting. Having said that, Mm. um, having said that, I was also reading. Nourishing traditions about Western air price and Celtic, so that, that's my roots. it's a Celtic uh, background and, and indigenous um, people from you know Scotland, Ireland, north of England, they would be mostly fisher they, they'd eat a lot of fish, and the men would be away fishing all day, and the wives would eat cod heads stuffed with cod liver and they would roll the cod head in oats, right so oats are very you know they're from where I'm from, right? So and and something like that makes sense. So it's going to add texture to something that is highly nutrient dense compared to having just a cup of oats on the run. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So it makes sense to do it like that. But it's the bowl every day yeah. with all the other, added, you know, stuff onto it too.
1: Can you imagine um, how nutritious a cod head and a cod with stuff with cod liver would be? I, even I know. It's quite tasty. Mike was like, oh, really? was like, Ugh, that's <laughs> disgusting. I'm like, oh, my God, I'd love I wouldn't want to make it. But if someone said try it, I'd be all over that That sounds.
0: Oh, Yeah. For sure. For That's sure. Amazing. The Interesting thing. I don't know how many people said to me, you know, with oats, it used to be their standard breakfast as well. And you just need, that was the, happened to me too. I just needed to sleep. That's all I wanted to do was yeah. sleep as I was coming yeah. down from that. And um, Jackie, Dr. Jackie told me when she used to eat or like she was a high carb dietitian doctor, when she was doing rounds um, in her GP training, she had had a massive bowl of oats that morning, porridge that morning, and her blood sugar dropped so low. She almost passed out. You know, She's just – everyone's got this, you know, experience of it when we see that it's not healthy anymore and we switch and, um, yeah, <laughs> memories. Well,
1: yeah, memories, yeah, not to be uh, relived ever again. Thanks very much. So, <laughs> no thanks. so thank you for sharing that experience with us. I know like, I was on the edge of my seat following what you were doing, and which is why I wanted to get you on the show today so that other people can, you know, either go and do an N equals one and experiment for themselves or just take your word for it and skip all of the side <laughs> effects of eating uh, eating the food pyramid. But tell us what you're up to now, Trace, because I know after the success of the um, low carb lifestyle long weekend, you were That's inspired it? to start something new and groovy. So tell us about it
0: mm yeah, so I started the Health Evolution Collective, which was definitely inspired for them from the summit. Uh, the summit was a three day uh virtual women's speakers fantastic I was so successful I was so proud of of doing it um but i I it was a lot of work to put together for three days and it seems you know when we have something that goes for a certain amount of time like that that when it's over, you know. People move on, and you know, I've got all this beautiful. People can buy the replay, but you know, it's kind of been forgotten now. And I sort of thought, well, I don't know as you as you say, you know, something just landed on me that I'd like to try and create um, an organic. A platform very similar to that but that's available all the time um, where I have you know presentations and interviews and sh- people sharing um, their health evolution stories or health evolution stories of their patients or clients um, and just yeah a platform where people can come to anytime they would like to you know hear some stories or Um, learn some information in in a really non-threatening way. So it's a really, as you said, my byline is, you know, a platform of possibilities. That's what it is and that's what I'm about. You know, if you're sitting here listening to what I've said today and it's, you know, you disagree, well, that's absolutely your right to disagree. But, you know, you, you you can challenge, you know, that because I think it's natural for our brain to say, oh, no, no, I don't believe that. But, you know, we can kind of unpack that a little bit too and, you know, we can change our minds and start to see different things. And, you know, it's not confronting to do that, but it could be very uncomfortable. So that's why, you know, I wanted to create something that was non-confronting, just all about sharing things like that. And then also having um, amazing small businesses that I absolutely rate and love, um, offering exclusive discounts to people who sign up. So it's free to join. It's free to access at any time. You just have to sign up. And, you know, then you can take advantage of all that stuff. And it's growing really well. So it's only been a couple of months in and I've got a lot of interviews lined up, in, including the Australian of the Year, Dr. James muki I'm talking to him next week and he's very passionate about and has been actually instrumental in this push to get the dietary guidelines changed. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to him about the future and what he sees we need to do to get all that happen happening and... Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And of course you, Helen, you were on it oh, of this course. week. Wouldn't be the same if we didn't collaborate <laughs> in some in some I way. Know. So yeah, cool. so I'm very proud of it. And as I said, who knows where it'll go. I'm just I just am just in really loving doing it and how it evolves is how it evolves, you know. I I just going to see what happens with it. But I think at the moment it's looking like it's going to be something that will you know, help people see possibilities. Mm. Love
1: it. So is it, is it like a online platform or is it in a Facebook group? So where would we, you know, once we've signed up and it's it's great that it's free and so it's really accessible for for all. So where would you, Mm. you go and watch the presentations and stuff?
0: So there is a Facebook group, which is, I guess, the marketing of what's in the platform. But you do need to sign up to the platform, which is through um, my website. Or if you go to the Health Evolution Collective on Instagram or Facebook, you'll find a direct link To the sign-up platform and it's actually on the same platform that the summit was held on. So if you did attend the summit, it should be quite familiar. It's very much in the same format as that was, um, which, you know, the feedback I received from that was that it was extremely clear and really easy to navigate around. So I was stuck with the same platform. So yeah,
1: yeah, it was really... Just contact me. (laughs) Yeah, it was super easy to navigate and really, really straightforward. So if you're thinking, oh, I don't like... Tech, or oh, I'm not good at platforms and sign-ins and logins. This one's easy, so mm. don't let that be your dodging <laughs> your you know or your barrier. Now, just something that you said then just reminded me of something we were going to talk about. Um, when you said people don't agree with what you're talking about, you had a lot of backlash, mm. didn't you, for doing this? Constant. I didn't glucose
0: have a monitoring. lot. No, I didn't have a lot. No, I did get some. And my mistake I made was that I posted on on Twitter. And I'm not a fan of Twitter because um, it generally is everyone's just um, I don't know. I find it a very negative. Yeah, Yeah, I never got an opinion. Mm. No, and I have an account on Twitter, but I don't use it a lot. But I did, I posted that day of eating the healthy. Um, guidelines plate and I think it made a few people uncomfortable because it was picked up by um, Belinda Fetke and Tim Noakes and uh, Nina Tysholtz and a lot of big hitters in the low carb field and retweeted. So I actually was involved in a big Twitter storm for a couple of days, which I just stepped back from. I started sort of responding and, and then I thought, like, no, I don't, I'm not interested because, you know, people are going to think what they want. And again, what we do often when we come across information that's uncomfortable, we deflect it and that's what they did. They deflected it back on me. Now, having said that, 90% of the comments were, amazingly positive and wow you know this is exactly what we would expect but then there was a little bit around well you know who do you think you are you're not a, you were a qualified diabetics educator and of course in my mind I'm thinking well no because and I'm glad I'm not yeah, <laughs> but yeah. um you know I just left it and in the end I left. But on Facebook and Instagram, absolutely nothing, you know, to, you know, no negativity at all. Just that's really interesting and that's all it is. It's interesting. Now, how you take other people's information is completely up to you um, and, yeah, it was interesting from the Twitter perspective but I'm done on Twitter. I'm not going back there again. <laughs> Good. Well, that saves me
1: because I, I did create a Twitter account and everything of mine just links across from Instagram Um, but Mm. I I can't even remember how to get onto Twitter. So that's just me. I'm not (laughs) even going to bother. My people aren't on Twitter. My people are on Instagram and Facebook.
0: (laughs) Yes, and that was what I had to do. And that's exactly the same with me. You know, like I think a lot of people are on there because they're trying to change people's perceptions and policies and influence Mm, people mm. i'm definitely not going to get any clients from twitter and i don't i didn't so my clients exactly come from instagram and facebook and that's where i need to put my energies in it and yeah it's an easy decision to delete yeah (laughs) yep
1: (laughs) that's gone awesome (laughs) so if we want to work with you tracy obviously we can um if we want to hang out with you obviously we can become part of the health evolution um, I keep forgetting its name, the platform of possibilities. That's what I
0: call it. The health evolution collective.
1: Collective. Yeah, that's it. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Come on. It's not that hard. Health evolution <laughs> collective. So we can be part of that. Um, and I absolutely recommend, um, that people go and sign up for that. It's a, it's an amazing resource with some incredible, um, speakers on there. So that's so cool. But if we wanted to work with you, like, do you do courses? Do you do one-on-one?
0: Yeah, so I do a variety. I have a a, a support group, a membership group now, um, which uh, people pay by month or six monthly or by for a year and they get access to a Facebook, private Facebook group and to my uh, one Zoom coaching a month and plus just you know, talking with me when things um, uh, become a stumbling block. So I only started that about six weeks ago, but I'm really, really happy with that. It's such a great um, community there. So if you, you know, particularly if you're, not feeling like you have enough support around you, something like that might be something that you're looking for. But, yes, I also have one-on-one coaching packages and I have a three-month coaching package, which um, has been really, really well received. It's the Peaceful Body Formula and it looks at not just what you eat but all those other factors that we've talked about in the past, you know, your habits and exercise because I was a personal trainer before, so I've got all the knowledge around that as well. Um, Yeah. And I've also got some online courses as well that I've done. They're online video courses where you can watch a video and then you can send me a message. And I have got a few questions on there to sort of help spark some new thinking around certain things. And, you know, I sort of coach you through that video program and one ebook as well. So (laughs) there's quite a few things on my website. Mm. Well done.
1: Well, Trace. I yes, love you. Please. I love hanging out with you. I love everything that you do. Aww. So thanks Aww, for sharing, sharing all of your – thanks for being the guinea pig for us. Um, so we didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for inviting me to come and chat with you today. It was awesome. Love talking to you too, Helen. It's great. Awesome. Thanks, Tracy.